The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. It's the Cigar Authority After Show, and it's brought to you by Roma Craft Tobacco. Since 2010, Mike Rosales and Skip Martin have focused on the simple and time-honored task of combining quality tobacco, experienced craftsmen, and the right amount of time to bring you cigars worthy of the legacy of the centuries of premium cigar craftsmen that came before them. Whether you are revisiting the anti-prohibition era mindset of intemperance or getting in touch with your more primal side with a Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, you are sure to find a blend in the Romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor, strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time roma craft tobacco the after show the after show the, the after, after show. show it's the after show and uh we still have a studio audience usually breaks up after the show because there's a little time in between that Ed Sullivan has to do his work, but everybody's sticking yeah. around because with us is Steve Soccer, and he stayed with us. Um, and I have three questions for a cigar maker and um, hopefully some news from Dunbot and Tobacco and Trust, some cigar information that you haven't heard before. Maybe we can break something. Steve, thanks for staying on. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I'm really sticking around for the hacks, guys. You know that, yeah, right? I'm cigar gonna, hack I'm gonna, guys I'm going to hang out with them after Good. this. So. I, I don't blame you. I will, too. <laughs> Um, all right, so you were a cigar consumer, then you were a president of a company, and you were a um, now president and owner of your own cigar company. So as a consumer, yes, um, you're picking out a cigar of a brand, not your brand, a brand you never saw before. You go into a cigar store. It's not yours. You never had it before. What size do you pick up? Um, I typically pick up the Toro. The Toro, for me, is kind of the benchmark that most people blend from at this point. So unless it's a specific blend that's made in a specific size, it was designed to be a Lancero, it was designed to be a Corona, I'll almost, almost universally go for something in the Toro format. And then you'll go from there if you like it and say, okay, I'd like this in a shorter The other thing that I do a little different is one of my questions always in every store is, what's currently smoking really well? What are your customers really enjoying? You know, what, what is something that you've had? You know, I, I try to, I try to, cause I always like to taste the things that other people are enjoying and what they like. And, you know, that's the best question. You don't want to say what's new. But I don't want to say what's, what's new. I want to say, really yeah, well. I want to say what's yeah, what smoking really buy? well. Yeah. What are people? Nice what are a lot of what are people <laughs> buying? What do you think is interesting that I may not have tried or I may mm-hmm. have overlooked? I would love customers like that. They're far and few between. Uh, usually, it is it, it is a what's new or uh, the old. Brand, yeah, but I mean, so. if you haven't smoked it before, it's new to you, right? Right. I mean, there's my people, buddy Eric will. Uh, he I mean, comes in and sees not only what the staff is smoking, but what they just smoked. What's in the ashtray at the mm. register, and that's what he wants to try because obviously we already vetted it. Yes. Now, but let me warn the consumer. Sometimes that's because the retailer wants to move that crap, so he tells his guys, hey, "I want everybody in here today smoking this Don Nobody." Okay, that's what I want you all to smoke. So you gotta, you gotta kind of take that with a little bit of grain of salt too. <laughs> As a buyer for a company, now put yourself in, in the retail situation that you work at a retail store. You, you worked at JR for years. Yeah. Somebody comes in to try to sell you guys. Uh, a cigar brand. What size do you pick up to smoke at that point? Well, look, there's the, look. 
the bulk of the sales, 85% of the sales are pretty much between three sizes at this point. It's pretty much Robusto, Toro, and some sort of Gordo, a 6x60. Absolutely true. Okay. The only exception to that is probably the fourth one is the larger double Corona. If you're in an area that has a lot of golfers, they tend to like to go for the Mm -hmm. double Corona. But those are the ones that if I'm a retailer, I'm going to first focus on um, because I know that that's going to be the vast majority of the sales. I might pepper in one of the torpedoes or one of the Lonsdales to add a little bit of sex appeal to the line for those consumers. But you really, you have to focus on at least three of those core four right from jump. Absolutely. And, and I think we, you, you really hit it exactly what I, what I would say too is, is the right play there. How about as a blender yourself, now you're having cigars made, are you focusing into a certain size at that point? Um, again, I always concentrate. Look, I concentrate on all the sizes. I mean, I want them all to be spectacular. But most blends, if I'm making a core brand, I blend in 6x52. Now, 20-odd years ago, I was blending in 5 and 5 8 by 46 mm-hmm. That was the classic, the classic Cuban Corona Gorda. Yeah. But the market has moved away from that. The but market's I, I, moved to larger. I still hear them say that to me, though, the most – talking to other manufacturers and stuff, and they go, yeah, I blended to the Corona. Corona Gorda. No. Yeah, yeah uh, but, that's what I doing, think, but, that's but I think that's a mistake because yeah. that's not what the customers are buying. Right. you gotta, you got to blend to the size that the consumers are going to know. Let, let's Look. go for the outlier, though, the Moistra de Saca. Do you right. decide on a size first? Or right. Well, tr- that, that that's kind of depends. Depends on where I want to take it. So, But that's one cigar, one blend, and right. one size yeah. released. That's not trying. Look, in my opinion, of all the Moestras that I make, even including the Unicorn, I think the Naka Tamale is the best. It's 6 by 48 That's the one mm-hmm. that I think personally is the best of the Muestra de Sacas. Are you just saying that because that's the one that doesn't sell and you want to sell the after show? Here's the funny part about Muestra de Saca. They all are right now all selling equal with the exception of the one that was released that year. The one that was released huh. that year sells three times more. Okay, but the other ones that have been released in the previous years, they are actually all selling equally one to one, almost like within 100 boxes of one another for the entire year of 2020. Hmm. So it doesn't seem to matter, I don't think. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I never hear that. Everybody usually has a major change up on on size differentiates, but uh, with you, no. Uh, Tobacco availability is question number two. What is interesting to you? New on the horizon, or it could be old tobacco or something. You say, you know, Cameroon's going to make a big comeback. Cameroon's never going to make a big comeback. (laughs) Just stop. Cameroon Cameroon is just, look, the problem with Cameroon is the primary broker of Cameroon is the Mirafelds. They do a great job of it. But what you have is in that you have Fuente, you have La Aurora, you have Altidus, who have been long-term customers for decades upon decades. So they always get the best Cameroon. Yeah. They get first pick of the litter, <laughs> as they should. They've been supporting them for decades. So what ends up happening at the end of the Cameroon crop every year, there's what's left. Yeah. Some years, there's amazing Cameroon left mm. to be had. You can get great Cameroon. Other years, you can get great Cameroon, but the leaves are all tiny. 
That's kind of what Skip's experience was. Remember when he yeah. first released Baca? He had to release it in the small formats because he wanted a certain high quality, but there were no large leaves to make larger cigars. He got forced to make the smaller ones first. And then you have other years that really what's left is crap. Yeah. It ain't that good. So for me, the only way I would ever entertain going down the road of Cameroon was if I was doing a small batch one-off where I got this two bales of tobacco, this is what I got, I know I can make it, but I am not a believer in investing in Cameroon currently. Now, maybe this will change. What about uh, there's people that grow in not just Cameroon, but there's people growing shade uh, lighter tobacco in all the major growing countries, right. and I know well, Honduras you, has been messing around with right, Cameroon for Cam, the last right. decade. Honduras has been growing some Cameroon seed wrapper. It tastes different. I mean, it's Cameroon originally, but it doesn't really Sumatra, taste the same. Right? Um, what is Cameroon? It's well, Sumatra. Growing. I knew you're going to call me on this. All right. Hold on a second. Cameroon is a hybrid of Indonesian and, I believe, Connecticut seed shade. Really? I might be wrong on this because I don't pay much attention, but I'm pretty sure that those were the two basic building blocks. But you also have to understand the way tobaccos are hybridized, there's something that they call flights, F1, F2, F3, F4. So the reason why it's F is that is the first – man, I'm going to be saying too much because this is actually something I'm going to use in the future. But (laughs) um, Mendel, Gregory Mendel – in 1866, published the paper that has to do with how you hybridize <coughs> agricultural plants. Yeah. And basically, the very first one that they would make when he did the first crossing, that would be considered that would be considered number one, and that would be labeled as F1. And I believe F1 stood for Fidelis, Fidelius, which is actually Latin for sun. So it was the first sun. And then you have the next hybridization and the next hybridization. Once you get to hybridization 8 or 10, at that point, that tobacco has no real reflection of the two original parent seeds. And the thing is, when they're doing that, they're trying to create a tobacco that's going to grow well in their soil, be more disease resistant, be more pest resistant, something that's going to give them a better yield. I mean, they want to be flavorful. They want to be oily. They want to be healthy. But they're almost always trying to get something more that gives them some sort of competitive advantage. So when you have a seed like Cameroon, it's so far from the original source seeds that it really has no reflection. It's its its, it's, it's entirely mm-hmm. own animal at this point. Nor is it grown in Cameroon, which is, you know. Well, some of it is still grown in the Central African Republic. There's some still grown in Cameroon. Yes, real Cameroon. R- real Cameroon. Yeah, but, but as you, they take the But with the out. systems, with bare systems, for example, you could get a soil sample and you could just duplicate that soil you can't, anywhere. You can, you, can, you, can, you can fertilize the soil anywhere, but look, soils are different. In Esteli, we have a really heavy black dense clay and jalapa it's a much more friable style of soil you, you can't you can't completely resoil the entire crop right. all you can do is you know provide the proper nutrition and that's and i think that's an area that we're seeing significant improvements now um the major growers are now almost universally going to the drip tape uh in the yeah. fields rather than flooding the fields to water them and not only by not flooding the fields using the drip tape it's obviously more ecologically sound you also get a better amount of distribution of water but the other thing too is you can now inject the nutrition that you need the fertilizer into the drip tape 
which then makes every single plant get near equal amounts of all the various things that you wish to add to the soil. Mm. So it's become much more scientific over the last 10 years. I'm hearing uh, or seeing people putting out now, instead of saying I'm using uh, Connecticut broadleaf, uh, and then we started hearing Pennsylvania broadleaf. Um, USA. USA. <laughs> yeah, now it's USA in Massachusetts, and now it's just starting to say USA. Uh, would you um, look into, you know. So part of that is just people using the terms poorly. Okay. Okay. Second part of that is also dealing with the FDA. You know, we've learned to be a little less precise in our verbiage mm-hmm. because we all have to still submit substantial. We, we don't now, but eventually we will have to do these SEs. They're going to come. And we are still all required to do ingredient disclosures. So everyone trying to pare that down. I mean, right now there's quite a few growers in Nicaragua and Honduras that are growing Connecticut broadleaf seed in Honduras, Connecticut broadleaf seed in Nicaragua. You've I, seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. I've smoked it. I got uh, I got samples at the house. What do you think? Um, I don't want to say. All right. Because look, somebody's going to put it on a product and they're going to make it into a really big deal. Here, here's what I will say. Comparing it to Connecticut grown Connecticut broadleaf, it is not the same. Yeah. It course. is a different animal, and that's even true in just being one year removed much less three years removed. And on top of that, there are some farmers that are just growing the Connecticut broadleaf and they are not hybridizing the plant. They're just pulling the seeds from the previous crop to plant the next crop. There are other growers now that are making hybrid blends using Connecticut broadleaf with other tobaccos that they're doing in Nicaragua and also Honduras. So there is going to be a plethora of these Central American-grown broadleafs. And I think that there's going to be a consumer market for it. But they do not, in my opinion, the ones that I have sampled, do not taste the same. I'm not saying they taste worse. I'm not saying they, don't, they taste better. But I don't think I could just take a Miquerita and put on a Nicaraguan-grown broadleaf and just kind of go on my merry way. Steve, it would make what, my life easier if I could. What do you think about the but, mass market cigars? They consume a lot of the real Tremendous amount of so tobacco. Do you think the Nicaraguan stuff may migrate over. It already has. No, the mass market guys, They're the, using- the blunt wrap guys. I, I, look, you want to have a really, let's have a blunt conversation. <laughs> let's have a blunt conversation. I'm getting to the point now that with some of the things that I'm growing specifically for me, I may have to go into the blunt wrap business hmm. in order to cash recover on the materials that aren't suitable for cigars. You know what I mean? I may, because hmm. right now I have crop that I'm currently selling to some of the blunt wrap guys, okay, because it isn't good enough for a cigar. You can't afford to throw it away. Yeah. Even though you're getting pennies on the dollar, every penny makes a difference. But I'm now getting to the point that I'm now start going, man, maybe I should come out with a line of blunt wrap and keep <laughs> the money for myself. Don't do it. I know. <laughs> well, we have one built-in customer for you right here. <laughs> there you go. I mean, and look, it, it, that that is the reality of the situation. I mean, I know none of you guys are going to ask Lira, you know, but Victor Cabo, who has struggled his whole life yeah. in the cigar business, he's building the biggest damn house I've ever seen in Nicaragua <laughs> right now. And it's all based on the blunt part of the business that yeah, he's doing. I mean, it's real big money and, and it's not going away. And so, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a reality and, it, and it's good for us because it provides us an outlet 
to cash recover on mm-hmm. materials that otherwise would get added to the cost of the cigars that you guys smoke. It's the same thing with like Arapiaca. Arapiaca is a cigarette tobacco. It's, it's, it's a black tobacco. It's traditionally a cigar tobacco. But the way Arapiaca works is when you buy Arapiaca, that's primarily being grown for heavy, dark cigarettes. That's what Arapiaca is grown for. They don't tend the crops very carefully, okay, because they don't care. But what they let you do is they let you go and cream the crop where you go, oh, I want those two leaves and I want that leaf over there. Oh, and you see that over there? Those four leaves on the, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you can pull off those leaves that will work really well for a handmade cigar, but you don't have to worry about absorbing the cost mm. burden of that entire crop where if you're growing a Corojo 99 wrapper, okay, you got to use it on a cigar somewhere. Yep. The only solution is at the bottom of the rainbow, we had people that were buying it for really cheap Picadura economy cigars. But as you're getting into these new tobaccos, you have a lot more loss. You have a lot more waste. When you're going into these hybridizations, first-time crops, learning how to ferment it properly, learning how to fertilize it properly, how to grow it properly, you end up with a lot of leaf that really has no home. So the mass market guys and the blunt wrap guys, they really kind of save you. Hmm. They provide you the money. Even if you don't make money, you don't lose too much money. So you can keep going forward with these projects to get them to the point that you want them to be. What tobacco is interesting you now? Um, I'm really interested in, I'm really interested in, the, in a hybrid crop that I'm doing in Nicaragua. I'm still very invested in my Sin Compromiso crop in Mexico. And I'm really invested in a particular phyllocrop crop that I've been working on. So I, I have three standalone projects right now that, uh, that I'm invested in that are kind of – and look, and as a small guy – I know, I hear the jokes out there. But as a small guy, um, that's really something that's normally the playground for the really big right. companies. Right. You know, so – but I, I have – You're picky and you got to figure out what to do when I gotta, you – I got to do something to stay ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yep. I have to do something unique. I have to do something fresh. I have to provide something that gives a better value add. So, yeah, it's an investment today, With but, I, but I know three, four years down yeah. the road, it's going to give me something that I, – I think if you smoke a Syncomp, I know Syncomp isn't for everyone. It's a medium-bodied, smooth cigar, you know, but that's a unique taste. I don't know that there's another cigar on this shelf that tastes like a Sin Compromiso. Mi querida, umbagog, I can find you six other cigars downstairs in the humidor that if you like a Mi querida, I think you'd like this one, I think you'd like that one, I think you'd like that one. So to make something that's totally out of the box different, you got to make, make a real investment in it. Yeah, you do. Um, okay, if you were to make a best cigar of the year list, I don't want to know what the cigars were, but I want to know what the criteria would be or what should the criteria be? You see I everybody's don't care. list there. Stop. <laughs> what? You did this? We only have three questions, Steve. You've got to answer them all. All right. I'll answer it all. But here's my thing. I'm human. I want to be ranked highly. I want to be rated highly. I'm human. Do you want to be loved? I do. I want yeah. love. You want acknowledgement. Everybody wants that. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that they don't matter. I love you, Steve. They matter. They really do. Okay? They matter to you on a personal level. I don't think they drive sales the way consumers think they drive sales. Other than really number one on the CA list is really the only one that really has any sort of pop. I mean, I got number one for Cigar Snob Magazine. Maybe I sold some more cigars. I mean, on the half-wheel consensus, 
I've been in the top five every single year. This year, I got number one. It's not like my phone started screaming off the hook when I got number one for Mike Rita Tricky Traca. We sold the same number of cigars the day after than we sold the day before. So I don't think they have that kind of impact. I just kind of treat the reviewers and the bloggers and the magazines. It's their review. It's their magazine. They get to write what they want. I just am of the viewpoint that they're all inherently biased. They're all inherently flawed. And in the end, you want to be on these lists hoping that they'll motivate a consumer to try something. But to try to put things into the best of the best, I I think, is an impossible task. But what I do think that if you look at these lists consecutively over time, you go, huh, this company's on all these lists, and this company's on all these lists, and these companies, it does tend to separate the, the wheat from the chaff. You know what I mean? But in a much more general sense, not a this is the best and this is the worst. Because no matter how bad a cigar is rated, somebody loves that cigar. Right. And no matter how, whatever cigar gets number one on Cigar Aficionado, somebody said smoke and said, what? This yeah. thing? Why was this number one? But you had you had cigar nexus for years. This is going back. Me and Ed Sullivan remember <laughs> back in those days. If that was you today, and you would feel obligated to let me, I, I like together. I like the way Blind Man Puff does it. I like yeah, I, I like their site because they basically have four or five reviewers. They rate all the cigars blindly. They all write their own individual tasting notes, and then basically at the bottom they kind of do a summary. And if you look at that every single time. Three guys will love my cigar. One guy will say, eh. And I go, that wasn't all that good. Okay? (laughs) And that's kind of the reflection of the reality of how things are. So I I like the way they do it. That it takes out that – at least it takes out the brand. It takes out the knowing the owner. It takes out the advertising relationship. But – but in the end, let's not kid ourselves. All of these things, when a, when a guy gives you a super low score, he knows it generates clicks. When he gives you a super high score, he knows it generates clicks. He knows when he goes against the trend, it generates clicks. Yeah. I saw a top list by a good friend of mine this year. It had 20 cigars on it. That literally, I didn't know what one damn one of those cigars was. I'd never heard of them. I'd never seen them. Okay? But he just wanted to be avant-garde. Yeah. He wanted to be different than everybody else. Do I fault him for that? Do I think he's not being genuine? No, I just I just take it in good faith. And it is what it is, and so be it. Do you think it needs to be a cigar that came out that year? Or can they go back 10 I don't years care. <laughs> what would you do? I, I would include all cigars all the time. Really? Okay. Yeah, look, if I was if, if I was if I was gonna do lists, I'd probably do one that's just top ten cigars, and then I'd probably do top ten cigars that are new introduced this year. Because the truth is when the cigars introduced in the first year. After the cigars that are at the top in that first year, they suck by year two, and they really suck by year three. I mean, they so put many, their best foot forward on that original right, and blend. Then, and then, as soon as they have to start making more of them, they lose the ability to make them consistently, and then those cigars just kind of go away. So, well, but, knock on wood, that didn't happen to you. That you show up on the list five years in a row, and four years in a row on a four-year project. Well, he has to fly to Nicaragua and hand select every single whatever, tobacco. whatever. <laughs> he ends up doing it. Okay, here's the question: New Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust cigar information. There's some paperwork there, and um, well, we're not talking new on this one. We're going to talk about. I think. I think we've come to a decision on firecracker. Is that true or not true? Uh yeah, we can continue um, making firecracker on a. Do we want to call it a regular basis? Yeah, I think we're going to – what Dave and I have decided to do is we're just – the firecracker that I've made for him has been 
Probably one of the most successful ones you've ever had, sure. right? Yeah. And I mean, what, we sold out of the last 500 in like 40 some odd minutes and you had to stop <laughs> yep. to count to count to, to see. figure out where you yeah. were. And then you put it back up the last 27 boxes that were that yep. you meant to be available. So rather than set myself up for failure and do it for a fourth year in a row, um, what we're going to do is we're going to start to make that a regularly available item um, for United. And you'll be able to have it in your stores, and I guess other retailers will be able to yes. have it in their stores. And yes. we're but changing the price a bit so that way you don't have a competitive advantage over them. So they're going to get it at the same price that you yep. get it and allow you to distribute it. And, and But we're months away from that. Uh, we're basically, look, Firecracker is easy for me now. You you give me the order, and you'll have cigars in probably less than five months. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I know all of us listening to see see what that is, um, but nothing on the other project. <laughs> we did this just in the last program. I know this is a different show. It's Wednesday. Oh, I'll tell you something we didn't talk about in the last. <laughs> You're wearing one. the same shirt, but that's because that's yeah. the only shirt you yeah. own. I only own one shirt. I'm making this year a, a special sin compromiso. That's a a little. It's a stronger iteration of the blend. So it's going to be called Paladin de Saka. And uh, so I'm, I'm really kind of excited about that. And I actually think this blend is 100% dialed this in. This is a one size? It's going to be just one size, but we're going to make it available to all of our Sin Compromiso retailers. Mm. All right. Um, what do we got for a size there? This is a this is a seven by fifty two press. Put it back in your pants, Barry. I'll, I'm sure I'll you'll smoke get that one. and let you know if it's dialed yeah. in. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not letting it go. Look yeah. at how he's like a little schoolgirl over there. Fondling. I haven't seen him move that fast in yeah. quite a while. Stop rubbing his back, you sick pig. <laughs> Come on, <Jesus>. Steve. <laughs> he, you are still the cigar geek, Barry. Yeah, I'm, I'm still there. I, I want to smoke everything geek. once. I still am after all these years. I mean, look, I'm jaded. Let's not kid ourselves. I've seen too much. That's right. You know, and, and the other now. thing, too, is, I mean, I've seen shit that most people haven't seen. I mean, I, I was at JR. Right. I was at <laughs> Drew Estate. Okay, so it's – but I but I still – I'm still a kid at heart when it comes to cigars, man. They still still get excited when I get that new box and I open it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to – you know, I get these sample blends made and I smoke them right away, but then I have to wait two, three months to really see what they really turned out like. And I'm like counting down the days. Yeah, I'm still there. Like we smoked a cigar last night with you. Which was um, the Popetta new size. Yeah, I want to make a Popetta Grande. One of the things with Popetta is Popetta is a mixed fill cigar. And it's a very unique technique that we use to make it other than the way you make a standard mixed fill cigar. Because I want it to smoke like a long filler. I don't want it to give little bits in your mouth. I want it to be able to actually hold an ash. I want it to be able to draw the same way. Double binder not, on it? Not, it is a double yeah. binder construction. There's a couple other little tricks of the trade that I use. When I first did this project with my friends at Drew, we made uh, Papa's Fritas a 44 ring gauge cigar. When I made Popetta, I bumped it up to a 48, I believe. It's a 4 by 48. My question was, can I actually use those techniques and make a 50 hmm. or a 52? Can you make it six inches long? Will it hold together? Will it smoke properly? So I'm playing with some other sizes, and the cigar we shared last night with the attendees at the meatball was one of those. Now, the caveat, when I tell everybody what I told them in private, was they could post a picture of it, brag that they got something new, but they couldn't post it. It sucked because the cigars were literally rolled on Thursday. So <laughs> if you smoke it now, you get what you get. 
Okay, but if you put it in your humidor and you wait two months and then you smoke it and it sucks, you can boast that it sucks then because then it's had enough time. Right. It, um, it was super, super young. And, yeah. And was, made Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> Not ready by any means. No. Uh, but – that is planned for when you do events. Sometimes you use. I don't know. Look, I'm. You're making all sorts of different stuff. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't always have an idea as to what I'm going to do with it. You know, sometimes you have a goal. And you're like, oh, I want to make a brand. This is what I want the brand to be like. And other times it's like, yeah, let's do this and yeah, let's do that and let's see what this is and boom, boom, boom. A lot of this stuff just ends up. I mean, I never had any intentions of being in the unicorn business. Yeah, I never, I never thought that I'd be making the same Muestra four years later. I thought that was going to be a once and done every year. You know, so it's not yeah. like I got some grand master plan on right. everything. Well, you do have a group of people here today. You're going to have a little surprise for them. How many are there? There's 30 of them. I actually have a cigar. I'll warn them. I personally hand-rolled. Oh, my. So they're not as good as if a real Torcedor rolled them. But it is actually something from a bench sample that I made uh, two years there ago. There we go. So that I personally did. All right. But and not with, a, and not with that, that is the end of the show for today. Uh, it is the Chinese New Year next week, so we're coming in with a bang. And uh, we'll see you then. And in the meantime, we're going to stick around with Steve Soccer and see what he's got here with Steve Soccer Handmade Cigars. I think this might be a thing. Have his own handmade cigars? Uh, no, trust no, me. It I will damn. not be. No. It will not be. Okay, we'll catch you on Saturday. <laughs> stick the lid in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.